Hello, I'm your host, Anita Grantham. Welcome to episode eight of HR Unplugged. Today, we'll be talking about the responsibilities of leadership in building a positive work culture, best practices for leaders, and the impact of training and development for executives. Thank you for joining us. Let's get started. Welcome everybody to HR Unplugged. We're here at episode eight, how leadership defines culture. Let's jump right in. And I am so excited to welcome our new co-host, Vanessa Brulot. Welcome, Vanessa. Vanessa is on our HR team here at Bamboo and Vanessa's fantastic. We have a lot of fun. Vanessa is one of the most welcoming humans on the team. I felt connected with her from the start. I love working with her and I'm excited we're going to get to co-host together. So welcome, Vanessa. Thank you so much, Anita. That was a very warm welcome. I I don't think we need to do the rest of this episode. I think we could just end right there. I mean, <laughs> let's just call it. Let's call it. <laughs> no, but I've had the chance to work with Anita for several months now, and it's is like she said. It was it's so fun. Like I love working with Anita. She has just this wealth of knowledge in HR. And it's been so much fun to learn from her and uh, that knowledge base and experience. And so I'm excited and honored to be here. All right. Well, hey, let's dive right in into this really awesome discussion. So in the previous episode, leadership was one of the five pillars of culture that was addressed. And it's the pillar that really ties everything together. So we want to spend more time today discussing how leadership really defines that culture. So we wanna hear from all of you about who drives culture at your organization. But before we do, let's establish what we mean by culture. And we learned from all of you from the previous episode that we should really discuss defining that first before we dive into that. So Anita, can you give us your definition of culture? Yeah, uh, thanks for asking, Vanessa, and thanks for all the feedback out of last episode. So we're going to define culture as the behaviors that you rely on to drive performance in your organization. So I'll say it one more time. Culture is defined as the behaviors that you rely on to drive performance in your organization If you feel that there's a different or better definition, happy to see that in the chat. But for this poll, let's go ahead and and play with that a little bit. How does that sound, Vanessa? I think that's great. I think that's a good formula for culture. And so so we'd love to definitely hear from all of you. So who impacts the company culture the most at your current organization? So is it the, the founder of or executives? Do they set the tone company-wide? Is it a team or departments? Do they have their own unique culture? Is employees organically developed culture at a grassroots level, or is it kind of a mix? I see a lot of people responding right now. We've got quite a few responses. It looks like it's the biggest one is the mix of all of them together, but it seems like the founder and executives is the winner between the three if we were to point at just one. Yeah, it is kind of interesting. It kind of like it's 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 evolving in, in different directions. But yeah, it's definitely it's interesting that it's a mix, but mostly that founder executive side. So Anita, what is what is your take on why HR leaders should prioritize leadership when they are working to improve culture? Yeah, so this is a great question. To me, everything we do as like HR leader, it succeeds or fails based on our leader's availability and desire 
to implement all of the products that we give them. So I always love this product analogy, Vanessa, where we're shipping products out of our organization. I want people to buy them, not because I'm the only supplier. That's been my dream is that you as a leader, Vanessa runs a team of recruiters. They specialize in sales recruiting. So I want to give Vanessa things that help you drive performance to hiring when the business needs it. And gives you a uh, you know a way that you have behaviors and the values that help you drive that forward and coach team members to that performance potential. And so I think it's so important that if we don't treat our leaders like they're our number one customer, we're definitely going to miss out on the impact we can have culturally. I love that. You definitely have to have that buy-in and to to drive that. Like I love that. So let's let's talk about more of how leaders can can tactfully impact culture like how do things like like the mission statements and company values come into play this is why this is my favorite topic you know 50 54% of employees experience company culture through the mission and values and i wish it were 90% I still believe that humans want to be connected to something bigger and we can really voice that mission and vision. It lets people know, am I going to be able to get behind it? So by setting up mission and vision, by setting up a strong value statement, those are the ways that we drive culture and it's putting every decision through those lenses. So this is where, you know, I think a lot of people um, have the disconnect. We have these mission, vision, values that can seem really high level and philosophical. The way you put it to work is when you have to make tough decisions and you say, what would our mission tell us to do? What would our values tell us to do? And just by asking that question, you create that connection. And that's the tactical impact that we can drive for. Yeah. And it, and I love that you were kind of bringing that up because even just like it's those business decisions and it really falls down throughout the entire organization. If you really align it well, then you do get that buy-in that you were talking about earlier and, and it just affects everything down. Definitely. And that's where, you know, I really would love to push. I think leadership drives sets the tone for culture. And then it inspires everybody at a grassroots level to rise up and everybody meets in the middle. But if you don't have leaders demonstrating decision-making to mission and values, team members will never do it. This is why I always believe, and we'll talk about this later today, that leadership development needs to start from the top. If you start it from the middle, then everybody looks up and they're like, well, my leader doesn't do that. Like, you know, Vanessa would look to me and be like, Anita doesn't do that. So why, why am I going to do that? Which is so true. If I'm not demonstrating the behaviors that I think Vanessa and any other leader in, in, in an organization should do, why would they follow me? Why would they believe it to be a serious thing that they're going to commit to? So I think it's got to start at leadership for ultimate, ultimate success. I love that. It, it goes back to that theme of pulling together in the canoe. Yes. Yes. That's one of my favorite pictures. In fact, I don't know. We just had our offsite last week. Have you ever seen the AI art site called Dolly? No. Okay. It was the best warm up for a team building activity ever. Y'all have to check this out. We'll put it into the Slack, but our, um, our head of data and AI put it together. And so you can voice into, or like you can type into, um, the, the app, it's a web-based app, what you're thinking of in terms of art. So I said, pandas rowing in a canoe in the same direction. And it's, it, it uses AI to create an art piece of those things. 
So that's why I was thinking about it, but it's really amazing. And so we all voiced different things and it made art and it was, it was really fun to see. So it's a good warm up for team building. I think we all need that as a background mural for all of our zoom meetings, right? <laughs> we do. I think we do. <laughs> Well, well, kind of taking where, where the direction of this conversation into like how how can HR help these leaders impact the culture? What what can we do as leaders in HR to help leaders in other organizations or other orgs to positively impact the culture of the entire business? Yeah, so this is why this is the last pillar that we've been focused on through this conversation because it ties up everything else that we've talked about. So just going to replay some of the things from the past episodes that you can go back and find. We started with why do you have vision, mission, and values? And then underneath that, you have a business strategy for the next 12 to 24 months. I think that's as far as any of us can logically think out to right now. And then you build a really strong talent philosophy. So what is the talent I need to build into that business strategy? And then how do I reward that talent to make sure we retain and attract that talent? And then now we're able to drive consistency and model the behavior all the way around. So leadership ties all of these up together in a nice bow. And this is where you have the opportunity as an HR team where you don't do anything that isn't talking about the talent principles, the reward principles, the tie to values, the tie to vision. I mean, we had in our offsite last week, we talked about how um, remote and hybrid work is working at Bamboo. And the first thing I did is I put up the talent principles and I said, okay, our talent, you know, this is our ideal talent that we want. How do you think they operate best? Are they succeeding in remote? Are they succeeding in hybrid? Would they succeed better in person? Have those conversations so that you can really tie everything together and operationalize everything. And so I know that sounds like a big word. I can't believe I said it all on the first go around, but you can really take all of these things and build it into your employer brand, into your value proposition for hiring team members, into your hiring practices, into your you know compensation and reward practices. All of the things that we've talked about are driven by leadership from HR. I love that. And and how do you? What would you say to uh, how how can a leader really model the right behavior? Uh, that can do, we were talking about that trickle effect. How does that come into play here? So the best way the leader can model the behavior is we have a value at Bamboo that I really love. It's, it's assume positive intent. So if another department does something that upsets that leader and the team is witness to it, if that leader just fires back and they're guilty before uh, the chance to be proven innocent, the whole team will model that. If the leader says, hey, let's assume positive intent, let's go seek information around why this team showed up this way, and let's figure out what was happening for them, that's modeling the behavior. And so that's where leaders have an opportunity to really let the rubber meet the road and showcase what values are and they are not. That's another key thing that I think organizations can do to operationalize it is talk about, hey, what does good look like from this value and what is not so good? look like from this value. You know, it'd be great to see if you all have any examples of values that you feel you really utilize in your organizations and then some that are highly counterfeited. Like we have one, yes, I have a post-it note on my monitor that says assume positive intent. I love that. I, it's one I use in my personal life all the time. And you're right. It definitely is important if you're working remote all the time. You know, and another one I love that we have is, you know, um, going from good to great. 
and really helping people make the transition and look at the areas that they're doing work that's good and what's the opportunity for them to do work that's great and what's the outcome to the organization and thinking about it in both frames. All of those are useful. I love that because it's, it's, it's really that reaction. How are we reacting to things that come through and are we accidentally poisoning the water ourselves? And, uh, I, I love that, like one thing for, for everyone to just always remember is that does the leader, like no leader is perfect. No person is perfect. So do you, like you said, do you believe in their intent and do they have good intentions? If you can truly believe and get behind, I know this person has good intentions And so I'm going to still get behind them. Like I'm still going to believe that positive intent. So I I love that discussion. Yeah. And to add on to what you just shared, Vanessa, I think a happy HR team helps drive the energy towards a happy culture, just like the leadership team does. You know, we had our HR offsite a few weeks back. And one of the outcomes we drove was a partnership with our leadership team, because we know when the HR team is really in alignment with the leadership team, it creates synergy and energy that really drives positivity in the culture. And so modeling out of the HR team is job one. You know, I always share on the teams that I have the pleasure of being a part of that we hold ourselves by by being on this team, we sign up for a higher standard. We sign up for stronger demonstration to our values, stronger accountability to our mission. And if we're not prepared to do that as an HR team, we need to have a conversation about why that's not working Um, because otherwise no one, no leader is going to buy from us. They're not going to believe in what we're selling if we're not willing to consume it first. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so coming from it at a different type of angle, there's, I know it's really important for a lot of HR leaders to bring on leadership members to the team that really uh, can impact the culture. So as, as they're hiring for those leadership roles, how, how can an HR hiring individual ensure a positive impact on a culture from the leader? Yeah, so this is a great question. Every person you bring onto your team either positively adds to your culture or they're a detractor. And so in the interviewing process, it's really important to have a technical interview and a cultural interview. And so I love going through those values. So let's, we like assume positive intent. Mari, I love seek to understand. I've actually got an upgrade to that one. If we have time, I'd love to share And then Kevin always has great points here. I think culture is defined by the worst behavior tolerated by the leadership. So how would you manage a leader having a toxic relationship with employees? We'll talk about that too, Kevin. And actually you could use that as an interview question, right? If you want to gauge, like, tell me about a time that you saw a leader exhibiting behavior that was out of alignment with the values. What happened and how did you work with the leader to coach the team member through it? So like, I love to setting up those experiential questions in an interview. So you can really see, tell me an example when um, you saw assume positive intent, not executed well inside an organization, right? Tell me when you saw somebody not able to seek to understand another team or individual or customer perspective and what happened. And always through those experiential questions, and you find out where they really are. I always love asking the question is how much do you depend on values to guide your decision-making and what decisions have you made that you would make again and which ones would you never make again? 
So that's, you know, some ideas. Um, I have a lot of these happy to share out in the Slack channel around all of uh, some experiential questions around values for sure. Yeah. And it's, and it's really important as you're, you're interviewing these types, this type of leadership position, you want them to have the buy-in into the culture, mission, vision. And like you said, asking those questions, asking the hard questions. I love that you said that, Anita, because it is super important to just be straight up because you're, they're just not, you're not finding the right fit for yourselves. They're finding the right fit for them too. So you want to set them up for success. Oh, it's so true, especially for all y'all working in tech. You know, I think technology is so funny because everybody, you know, thinks that every tech company is the Google culture, right? Or some version of it. And so this is one of my favorite interview questions that I use. And this is very true for, for teams that I have the opportunity to lead is like, if you want to be thrown into the deep end of the pool with a life preserver, only when you ask for it, come join my team. And if you want to join a team where it's like, hey, here's the alphabet, and this is how you move from A to B and B to C and C to D, then that's a different team and that's not mine. And I think it's really important that we call out what teams are and what teams aren't. I think there's a lot of counterfeit in the hiring process right now because we're all so afraid that we can't get talent. We're afraid, we're literally the tail on the dog right now. That's my that's my analogy of the week. And so in the spirit of being afraid, we don't say what we, we really are. And I think that's actually contributing to the turnover that we're seeing here in the great resignation. So I think if you really say, hey, this is what's great about our team, and this is what people don't like about our team. And I'm aware of it and I'm I'm working on it, but I've got to tell you, I, I'm a big Marcus Buckingham fan, and I believe we're only going to get better at our strengths and we have to find other ways to mitigate our weaknesses. And I think that's an important part about values too. Like I love to say, if I look at my, my solar system of values, cause they're all a system, how they work together on a good day, maybe I'm 70% at achievement on a good day. Cause they're so aspirational, but that's part of where we learn and sharing with the team. Hey, this is what I'm learning this week. This is what I did. Well, this is what I really sucked at, you know, um, so that you're showing that you're aware that you're not perfect. There's always things to work and grow on. And I think that's an important thing to, to demonstrate as awareness of the flaw. Yeah, that's that self-awareness and transparency is definitely key. So now that we've discussed how HR can work with leadership to build culture, we want to turn it back over to, to you in the audience with a poll. So as you interact with leadership in your current role, do you find yourself pulling your team along with you and working to get them engaged? Or are they pushing you to innovate and improve your existing workplace culture? So um, this is this is an awesome thing. I'm so glad we asked this question. I really want to push all of you to create why leaders are pushing versus pulling. Like ask them, why does culture matter to you or why doesn't it matter to you? You know, I really believe culture is there whether you know it or not. So it's up to you to be intentional about it, but it exists. It definitely exists. And so is it driving the performance that you want in the business is my favorite question about this. If you don't think culture matters, is your team performing? Is it working for you? You know, what's the regrettable attrition on your team compared to your business results? Are you able to keep the people that are, de are delivering the most to our customer right now? You know, what are your biggest challenges and what would you want to see done culturally that would help you bridge the gap on those challenges? And those are great fun conversations to have with your customers being leaders. Yeah, I I kind of want to take that and, and turn it towards Riley's question of, how do you help leaders who don't care to engage at all? I would fire them, right? 
Like if you have a strong culture that's built on leadership <laughs> and you have leaders that don't want to do it, that's awesome. Help them find their next job. Like there's no judgment in it. But if you're really committed to culture and your CEO or founder is also committed to culture and you have leaders that are like, this isn't for me and they're pushing against you, you're only as strong as your weakest link. And usually your weaker links are your louder links. And so I would just be like, why are you here then? Like, go be happy in a different place where you don't have to worry about these things because I want you to live your best life. I'm committed to you as a human and life is too short to do things that you don't like. So let me go help you find a culture where you feel more empowered to do work the way you want to do it. But it isn't probably here. Like, let's have those conversations. You know, I think that's back to Kevin's point earlier, too. I just want to go double check here. Um, you know, the worst behavior tolerated. I mean, I think you the worst behavior tolerated is usually the minority. And I really want to push us to build for the majority of people, which are usually performing in a business. And it's hard in HR because most of what we see are all the all the lonely and happy people, right? All the people that complain to us about all the things that aren't working. And we've got to build programs for the majority of people that are grateful to be there. And you've got to push out the people. If they're truly toxic, Kevin, you know, push them, push them out and, and let them know that you want them to go be happy somewhere else. But toleration, is that a word? Tolerating poor behavior is though is a culture killer. So you definitely want to make sure that you help them find their next best place. I love that. And that was definitely a mic drop, mic drop moment. <laughs> but, uh, you know, one of the things that I've been kind of seeing trending is what if, you know, the HR team, they might be in a situation where the board has full control or the CEO has full control and there's not engagement there. There's no change. What is your advice for those HR leaders that feel almost kind of powerless in a way, but like, how can we empower them to feel that they can, impact change there with a situation like that. Yeah. Okay. So if there's, if there's one thing you take out of our time together, I want it to be this thing because I love this question so much. It's not HR versus the leader. That's not the conversation that we're in. We're in the conversation about mission and values. And that is a demonstration of how we act that drives performance. So here's the question, Vanessa. Vanessa, you're the toxic leader, right? And I'm coming to you and I'm saying, hey, Vanessa, you're leaving me with the experience that you're frustrated around culture here at Bamboo. And I'll let you talk about that. And do we agree that assume positive intent is a value here at Bamboo? And good looks like these things around assuming positive intent. Do you think you can get behind that? Yes or no, right? And let the leader choose. Yes, I can get behind that only if this, this, or this. All right, well, who are you going to be to help us get those things done? Because it doesn't work for us when you're toxic and you're cynical about this value. It shows that it's not important to you and your team doesn't think it's important to you. And so if it's not important to you, then let's talk about how we how we evolve that so it's, it drives value for you and your leadership. And if it doesn't, like this is many conversations, I'm doing a speed chase through like, you know, five conversations here. And if it doesn't, then let's figure out something else for you. So like it's it's about the value statement and the vision and mission. Vision, it's all coming together now. Value statement, vision, and mission. 
it's not saying you as a leader are a bad thing. This is why I'm totally against the term culture fit. I think it's the most non-inclusive term that we as HR leaders have developed and it's not right. Because Vanessa, if I fire you for culture fit, all of us have like some form of integrity and trust. And it's like, well, am I not trustful? Do I not have integrity? Am I not a good person? You're firing me because of culture fit? No, no, that's not accurate. What we're talking about is performance to this value and your desire to do that. And it's okay if you don't have a desire to do that. I'll help you find something else. I'm not going to judge you as a leader for that. I want either you to choose to be on board because this is what we've said organizationally matters or choose to find somewhere else. So that's that's the point for you to take is don't make it about you versus them. Make it a conversation around the values that the organizational has chosen to drive success. I love that, Anita, because it's it's true. Do do you as the HR leader really get behind and believe in those things? Because you can go have those conversations with those individual leaders and and not wait for somebody else to do that. You can take that action and because you care about that person. You have to ask yourself that question. Do I care about this person to be successful? If the answer is no, that's a problem. I don't know if you've run into that, Anita, but I love this conversation. Like, you know, it's a leader comes to us and they're saying, hey, this person is a poor performer. So the first question is I have is, do you both see success the same way? Oftentimes we see success in different ways. And that's why performance is in question. The second thing is that we haven't made clear agreements around what winning looks like. So then we go through that. And, and the third question is, leader, do you want to help this person succeed? And you're right, Vanessa, if the leader says no, you should just fire that person right now. It's like putting a dog out of its misery. Just put the person down because they'll never be successful in the organization if the leader isn't behind them. It's so mean. It's so mean if you have leaders out there that aren't committed to the teams that they run because they'll always be, you know, in a failure zone. They'll never get to winning. And it's just sad. Yeah. And, and I, I love that because sometimes it's planting that seed to where they need to self-select themselves out. You know, sometimes it doesn't happen in just one conversation. Sometimes it's a having a real uh, radical candor type of conversation with each other with true good intent. And then over maybe over a little bit of time, it's a realization on their part of, oh, I, this isn't a culture that makes me happy. And so then they're able to find something else too. And so it can happen in different channels. It can. Vanessa just mentioned a, an awesome book. It's called Radical Candor. It's by Kim Scott. If you're ever afraid to give uh, crucial feedback to a team member that you care about, you have to read this book. It will change change your life and intersection around how you have conversations like this. Good discussion. I love I love that section talking about this topic. <laughs> <laughs> it's so much fun. So let's let's kind of move into the the impact of training and development for leadership. So what what do you recommend in this area, especially as we look at the executive level of leadership? Yeah. So I love leadership development in action. And so if you come, you know, uh, and and kind of just try this on as a concept, I think it will be interesting for you, is that leadership development is not something that happens in a classroom. It happens when you are on the field living in it. And actually this reminds me, Vanessa, of one of the first conversations we had together when we were getting to know each other and you were telling me about your you know, first year as a leader and how hard it was. 
and, you know, the tough conversations you had with your team and some things you had to overcome, like, could you ever done that in a class? Like, would you be willing to share it all with, with everybody here? Kind of what that was like for you? Cause this is like a perfect example. Yeah. Just my example of at the time, like my growth in that. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it, it, it definitely was real life experience because I had come from different organizations where it was very toxic. I wasn't empowered. I was kind of handcuffed in a corner almost. I know that sounds very visually, visually harsh, but in a way that's true. And at Bamboo, we truly believe in that mission and vision and those values. And two of our values are being open and assuming the best. And within the first six months, there, there was a leader that I just was kind of clashing with. We had a lot of just miscommunications, misalignments. And I had, I put her mentally into this box of she was never a fit to begin with. And, uh, but then I was like, oh, wait, I'm the problem. I need to step outside that box because I'm not giving this individual an opportunity to learn. I'm not helping them grow and succeed at bamboo and my attitude needs to change. And so I ended up getting, uh, I counseled with somebody on the, the HR team together and just kind of uh, whiteboarded everything and then categorized, okay, what are the real core issues here? What are the core problems? The number one thing that we discovered was, oh, we don't have trust with each other. We haven't built trust in a partnership. And I never asked myself the question of, do I care about this person? And number two is I never answered yes. Uh, that is a me problem. And so I ended up having a conversation with this individual and pulled them aside and said, hey, I'm gonna schedule something on your calendar. I would love to chat with you about a couple of things. And they said, oh, oh my gosh, are you okay? It was the first time I ever saw concern on this individual's face. And I was like, oh my gosh, is this person cares. And so we ended up sitting down together and having an hour long discussion and just being very vulnerable and figuring out that we just had the slightest miscommunications about certain things and was able to develop a partnership and a relationship there that grew past that and built that trust and from that much needed conversation uh, to move forward. It's and and this is where I love uh, when we talk about building that trust with leaders. It's that learning and development piece of we learn together in in these kind of situations where you have like that temperature gauge. And right then and there, when I am speaking with this person, we're, we're building more warmth in our partnership because there's that level of vulnerability and openness, having good intent, having that value of care. And as HR leaders, that's something that it was a learning opportunity to where then that whole experience and that culture experience changed because of one conversation. Oh, it's so awesome. Thank you for sharing that, Vanessa. And I just want to highlight one giant gift that Vanessa gave this whole squad today on this call. It's the best gift you'll ever receive. And I'll point it out in case you missed it, is that as Vanessa was describing this learning situation that she had as a leader herself, she said that she realized it was her. And as soon as you realize that you as the leader are solely responsible for everything that works and does not work in your organization, the whole world will change. 
right? Because I think sometimes we, you know, we get into these leadership roles and we're like, it's their fault. It's it's their fault. This person didn't listen to me. This person didn't. I love HR leaders that say this. They say, hey, my no one does what I tell them to do. They, they don't listen to me. They don't do the things I tell them to do. And so then I look right back at my team and I said, well, then we delivered the message ineffectively. They didn't hear us because we didn't deliver it. It's not on them. It's on us. Every, every failure we have with our customers on us, every failure we have with our individual teammates is on us. That is why, like, I always ask when people are like, oh, I want to be in a leadership role. I'm like, why? Like, really, why? <laughs> like, to be responsible for these humans and not only that, for their, for their communities, for their loved ones around them. It's such a monumental responsibility. And you really have to make sure that people leaders have a sense for the load that they carry and the willingness to show up and look in the mirror and say, hey, that's all on me. And then from that place, you can really design a system and, and operationalize what you want to do, right? Because it makes a big difference when you're like, hey, I recognize I could be better for you. I learned this and this and this. And so talk to me about how you experienced it. And from that place, you can build trust because you're right, Vanessa, that was your first piece. That was your second gift is that absent trust, which is much harder to build in this remote hybrid scenario. You have to work a lot harder at it. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's just a challenge. So like if we go back to the question of what's the importance of leadership development from leaders in it, especially as we look to the executive leadership, everything, because if the leaders aren't demonstrating it, then no one else is going to do it. I mean, this is a great stat here. Only 10% of CEOs believe their company's leadership development initiatives have a clear business impact. And this is where we miss as HR leaders is we aren't tying back the impact of our initiatives to the business outcome. That's why like when you do leadership development, do it in the field, do ride-alongs, go to one-on-ones go to team meetings, go to goal setting meetings or OKR objective and key result setting meetings, go to customer calls, go to tough conversations. If a team member comes to you and says, I think this person isn't performing, we've got to have a key conversation. Say, hey, would you want me to have that conversation with you? Or could we role play that conversation before you go? All of it is on the field. You cannot do leadership development from the sidelines. Now, granted, can you talk about principles? Can you talk about concepts? Can you talk about theories? Yes. And I know I theored myself to death and it wasn't until I got in the game that I recognized how those theories played out, right? And, and that's the most important thing about leadership development. I love that. And I, and I love what, uh, what Cherie had said too, of like, uh, do leader and employee both define success in the same way? I think that's something, a key component to really bring into where we have the opportunity to go into a lot of these conversations and we can put on that coaching hat as HR leaders to be able to help the other leaders and say, you know, coach them back to the mission, vision values, and it coach them in a way that says, okay, you're having an issue with this individual but do they understand what success looks like? Do you both have that agreement of what it is? And, and so I really love that comment. 
I do too. And then I just want to call out that Jennifer did an appropriate comment to me here where she said, you know, we agree, but we also need to be careful that we don't care the weight of everything, culture, communication. It's not up to one person. Jennifer, I totally agree with you. I just wanted to kind of dramatically point out that sometimes people think leadership roles are the end all be all, and they sometimes sign up for them without recognizing the responsibility it holds to be caring for humans. And yes, culture is driven by the entire organization, not just one team member. And I do want to bold and italicize that culture will only be as effective as the CEO and his direct or her direct reports show up to it. I love that. Thank you, Anita. Yeah, yeah. All right. So let's let's kind of dive into our open-ended question for the day. And this is this is around like what is or isn't working in your organization's leadership development programs. Do you have a favorite piece? Uh, you know, what what's something you don't like? You know, do you even have a program? We'd love to hear you all in the comments and any questions that you have around that. Yeah, one part to kick this off that I think doesn't work is that we don't, I love David, we just don't have one. Um, and that's, that's it. I think you do have one and we're going to find it because you have work. You all have work with customers and teams. You have it out there. Okay. So we don't have one. So it's not working. If you don't have one, there's not a lot of accountability from the top management or leaders. That's a, that's a challenge inconsistency. Oh, uh, this would have been a good poll. I kind of want to poll. Do you have a leadership development program or not? Because it sounds like, um, it sounds like we don't we don't have one. I'll give you I'll give you the recipe for building for building one. Looks like we can do that. This would be a good uh, follow up post. We don't have one. I would say the culture is a shiny object syndrome, right? I love cultures that do that. Where it gets shiny object. We have ping pong tables and we have snack walls. You know. Um, and I, what is, I wonder what that is. What is the equivalent to in-person fake culture for the remote culture? I wonder DoorDash gift cards, maybe probably. Okay. This is good. Well, let's, let's build a quick recipe, um, for how you can do it. Oh, I do love internal mentoring. We can talk about that too. The great leadership development program that has a sustainment session after. Oh, that's interesting. Well, so I'd love it. Friday Zoom bingo. That's awesome. Everybody can do some Friday Zoom bingo. Okay. All right. So let's build a quick recipe for how to have a leadership development program. So uh, let's go back to kind of like our cake building, right? Um, so what's our strategy? What role for our business? What's our business strategy? What role will leaders play? in achieving that strategy? That's the question, right? Do leaders have a role to play in achievement of the strategy? How confident are we that we have the leaders in place to achieve the strategy? This is a real actionable one. You can do a scale of one to 10, you can do a poll. Like, do you believe we have leaders in, in place? If you don't feel like you have the leaders in place, you need at least 80% of them in place, right? The 80-20 rule, I love that. So do you have enough leaders in place to drive the strategy forward? Yes or no. If no, or not critical mass, 
What are the capabilities that we are missing as a leadership team that if we gained would make it a success? The other way to look at it is if you look at your strategy and you say, pretend we're taking a time machine into 2025, what is in our way? Why didn't we win? Why didn't we achieve our strategy in 2025? Like, I don't like postmortems. I like pre-mortems. So do a pre-mortem and pretend that you're already there in 2025 and what held you back. When I talk to leaders and CEOs, most of them say ourselves, we're the ones in our own way. So why is that? Why is that? Leadership's usually one of your top five. You know, we've got a lot of economic uncertainty out there. So that's definitely playing in. Leadership is playing in. Probably speed to market is playing in. Probably, you know, cash for sustainability is playing in because of the market uncertainty. So you have all these things. And then you look at what can I control? I can control my cash position as an organization. I can control my leadership through these uncertain times. So doubling down on leadership makes sense. And then from that place, you say, okay, if we look at our values, if we believe our values are the way that we drive performance in our business, what values, if we double down on them, would make a big difference? And have all of those kind of outlined. Maybe there's two or three. Maybe you can make them a theme for the year. Maybe you make your mission a theme for the year. Maybe you have customers come to your town halls and share the impact of your product or service with your team members so they start to get engaged in that. Maybe you do pre-mortems around the organization, around your critical projects and talk about what's missing. Maybe you take some of your most strategic objectives and have them partnered between a leader and a high-performing team member to run out for one or two quarters and see how those go. So you can build leadership development without an additional expense line item. Your expense will be your time. And if you have committed leaders that will do side-by-sides and run-alongs through this work, you're going to build the leaders you have of the future, and it'll be done within the context of your strategy, and you're really going to be able to roll it forward. You don't need to buy a program for it. You need committed leaders that see it as valuable, driving outcomes to the business, and it can happen. I love that you were talking about like the theme and actionable items. Like I, one, one of the things I think about is, you know, if you do have that theme, like you could do like the very simple, like monthly actionable items and then get all your leaders on board to say, okay, in, in all your teams, like do accountability partners with all your team members and do the, you know, just whatever goal setting that applies to the the theme. Like there's, there's so many things that you can do. So I love that you talk about that, Anita, because I think sometimes as leaders, we get so overwhelmed with the, the big idea that we forget about the, the minimum viable product to just get across the finish line. Yeah. I love it. And Celeste pointed it out. It's, it's the focus on the tyranny of the urgent that removes focus and everybody struggles with this. And this is why thoughtful, like you're saying, Vanessa, thoughtful goal setting is so critical and making sure that you set time apart from the day-to-day for the strategic that, you know, moves the needle forward because that the question I'd want to ask your leadership team, Celeste, is if we continue our drive for the tyranny of the urgent, will we hit our objectives in 2025? What does our company look like in the next 12 to 24 months if we stay in this operating system? Um, you know, Lauren asked what percentage of time makes sense to focus on values versus completing work. So I would say values and 
completing work. They're not, they're not uh, mutually exclusive. They're the same thing. So what I would love for you to try on Lauren is driving the use of the values into completing work. So I'll give you an example. We have one value at at Bamboo that's often counterfeited. And you'll see it, we advertise a lot that we focus on quality of life at Bamboo, which we do. We believe quality of life is important. We believe in harmony, not balance. So we have work-life harmony and there's times where we're more focused on life and there's more times, sometimes we're more focused on work and they kind of all work together in this harmonious thing. And sometimes we have team members that say, oh, at Bamboo, we're focused on quality of life. And so I'm leaving at five o'clock today. And if I leave at five o'clock today and I've got deliverables to a customer or a team member um, that has them stay late and sacrifice their quality of life, if I didn't communicate it, if I didn't create an agreement, if I didn't say, hey, I've got you know parent-teacher conferences at five o'clock today, I am behind on this deliverable and I'm not going to get it done. Can I get it to you tomorrow morning instead? Um, can you cover for me because I mismanaged my time and I know you really need this? right? You want to have a culture that perpetuates those conversations so we can all enjoy quality of life, not just one person. And so oftentimes when we get in these conversations, it's like, well, I, I'm practicing our value of quality of life. Well, no, you're not, not if the team is sacrificing for you to enjoy it. And so really it's tying those two together, Lauren, on focusing on your values and completing the work together as a system, not individually. Thanks, Anita. And, and it looks like we do have a poll created now around, do you have a professional development program? We'd love to see the stats. So our team will send you the poll. Does your organization currently have a leadership development program? So go ahead and uh, start that poll. This is so interesting, especially because if you go to the data around why people leave, leadership is still in the top three reasons why people leave. I got to take this picture because this is interesting. Leadership is still in the top three where people leave. And why are we not prioritizing? I think we just overcomplicate it. Ours is a work in progress, ours too. You know, it's got to be tied to a business outcome. You've got to say, hey, if we feel like we deliver on leadership development, we're going to go and hit this product launch or this customer program. And so, um, you know, you've got to be able to tie to something that matters and ask your leadership team if it's important to them. Um, so we don't want to just spin up programs because we think it's important. We want to know that it's actually going to drive real outcomes in the work that we do. Um, super important. Yeah. And, and I, I, I'm totally sorry if I mispronounce your name, Kesa saying no, just because I won't call it. We have a program. I was laughing to myself because I thought that was <laughs> so funny. Um, but we're, Let's do a quick wrap up and discuss some key actionable takeaways that you can start implementing today. So Anita, do you want to take us through those? Yeah. So let's do a summary of where we've been. We've been on a, a great journey today. And um, so let's start with why we're here. We're here because we have a mission to go take down. And we believe that leadership is going to drive achievement of that mission. And so some things that you're going to want to do is make sure that you define your values and you take an opportunity to define what good looks like and what not so good looks like and use that as an activity with your team to say, hey, do you, do we want to live to this? Will we hold ourselves accountable to this? And what does accountability look like? How do we do this? Like I've been at some organization where my bonus is tied to my execution on values. 
Would you be willing to sign up for that? You know, how and how does your values operate as a gate for performance at the organization. So all of these are great, great conversations that you can have with your leadership team. So start with what's the strategy? Why is leadership important? How do you define your values? How do you operationalize them into your culture? Do you use them at the center point of decision-making? Are they woven into your hiring practice? And are you asking experiential questions through the hiring uh, process? And are you weaving them into your sense of decision-making and all things that you talk about to the business? Before we make a decision, how does this impact our mission? How do we use our values to roll out this communication? How do we integrate our values into all of our communication? If you don't have a communications person on your team, I think HR is the sub for that. You're making sure any written communication coming out of your leadership suite has your values and mission woven into it. That's the fastest path to helping people get visibility and understand how you're using them for decision-making. So there's a few things that we can we can do and we can practice and the opera, op, there it is, operalization. Op, I can't say it again, you know, and leveraging our values to drive effective leadership to have a high performing culture. So, anything else you want to add before we close up, Vanessa? No, I just love the direction this conversation went. I think there, there's a lot of key takeaways that people can apply immediately. So hopefully y'all took notes. Yeah, I can't wait. So thanks for joining us. We're super grateful for all of you. Thanks for spending this hour with us. Vanessa, thanks for being an awesome co-host. Love spending the time with you today. And you all keep keep doing the good work. You're great heroes out there and have a super week. Great to be with you. Thanks for joining us for HR Unplugged. This series is brought to you by Bambu HR. Visit us at bambuhr.com slash HR unplugged for video versions of the podcast, additional resources, and to learn more about how Bambu HR sets people free to do great work.